Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, so we are discussing uh, Octavia E. Butler's novel, Fledgling. Uh, excited to get into this. Um, but before we do, will you remind everybody what our next podcast book will be so they can go pick up a copy from their local bookstore or bookshop.org? Yes. So we are going to be doing Piranesi by Susanna Clark. So this one um, is a fantasy novel and it won the 2021 Women's Prize for Fiction. I've heard absolutely fantastic things. And as we kind of briefly discussed in the previous podcast that we hope you listen to, um, it also is rumored to have a fantastic audiobook. I think I'll still read the the physical copy, but if you're into audiobooks, I've heard it's really great. Yeah, so excited about that one. So definitely go pick up a copy so you can read it and enjoy our discussion with us. Um, what you drinking to accompany so, you on this on this novel? <laughs> um, I'm keeping it super simple uh, because our fridge is empty. We have like nothing going on. So I am drinking because you're a, going to Mexico. Going to so Mexico, jealous. But it's fantastic. Totally worth it. But I am keeping it pretty simple. I'm having a Rustic Brewing Company, which is, I think, a local brewery here in Massachusetts. Um, it's their friend was a Golden Ale. And it's pretty good. It's, I like a good light beer. Awesome. Well, I went simple as well, but I did have a bottle of wine that was given to me as a gift, and it's called Vampire. It's a um, Cabernet. Hello. Perfect. So... I feel like I had to. So even though it's simple, so it's a nice, it's a nice cab and it just fit perfectly with what we're reading. I say so. I was this close, Audra, to going and getting a Bloody Mary mix and like to make a Bloody Mary, but maybe I'll do that for the next episode because. Do that for the next one. Okay. I'll do that for the next one because I was, I was very close to doing a Bloody Mary. Yeah. I like that. You know, I, maybe I should try. I don't typically like Bloody Marys. Is it the uh, tomato juice that turns you off to I, it? Uh, he, yeah. and But, you know, I have over the last like, year or two really tried to try things that I thought I didn't like. And I found a lot of things that I do actually like again that way. Like yeah. olives, like things like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. Maybe I'll try to make a Bloody Mary as well. You should. I... Bloody Marys are like kind of hit and miss for me. I don't like it when they're super spicy. But I love V8 juice, and I've always really liked V8 juice. My grandma and grandpa, actually my grandma Stevens, she used to make homemade canned uh, like V8 juice, vegetable juice. And I remember my grandpa always, always, always having it for breakfast. <laughs> and he was basically having like a Bloody Mary without the alcohol. And... Um, I, so I like Bloody Marys as long as they're not too spicy. I like making my own mix. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, that, that, yeah, I'm going to try that. You should, Maybe I you will should. like it. You should try it. Yeah. Have a backup if you don't like it. Like have, have something call. on, on deck or like next time if you, before we record the next episode, if you're going out to brunch with anybody, maybe yeah. order one and then decide if you yeah. want to get the ingredients to make one at home. Yeah, that's a good, Yeah. I dig that. Okay. I'm going to try that. Um, all right. So this is definitely, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. Cause I can already <laughs> tell you have some, but just so quick little synopsis. And also we're just going to be discussing chapters one through 16. Yes. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why sometimes I decide to break it up and not, but I, I think, think that this one was a good one to break up. I think there's a lot yeah. to get into and, um, I think that's a good spot. So yeah. So the the novel centers around uh, the story of someone named Shori, who we learn is a 53-year-old um, Ina, which is like a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, but they physically appear to be a 10-year-old African-American, like somewhere around 10, I think, African-American girl. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ina or the vampires 
I'll try to say Ina, but I may say vampire, but it's kind of interchangeable in the book as well. So, um, but they're nocturnal. They live very, very long lives. They get their sustenance by drinking human blood. They are physically superior to humans with strength. They heal quickly, but they also depend on humans to survive. And so they have these symbiotic relationships, which I think is an interesting topic we'll get into about the the book. Um, Their venom provides a boost to their human symbionts like immune system. It extends their lives. It mm-hmm. makes them heal faster. It keeps them looking young longer. It's also addictive. But then if it's all, yeah, it's also addictive. So if they have to withdraw from that venom, they will then die. And the story starts with Shori awakening has no idea who she is, where she is. You kind of can tell that there's lots of injuries. They feel scar. She feels scars on herself. Um, uh, definitely trauma. You can tell there's like a big head injury. Um, and she ends up killing and eating a creature that approaches her, which allows her to heal enough that then she can kind of start to explore. She comes upon these ruins, like these homes that mm-hmm. have been burned. And it's obvious that people have died. And I, I liked how the concept of her regaining memory is, is talked about in this book because it's not really drawn out. It's like, Oh, that does make sense. Like it, it all, fits with it's, someone who's had a traumatic injury yes. and it's like I know like this place like the burned buildings this feels like home I don't remember it but like there's a lot of like reliance on her senses and her instinct and her gut and then like trusting that and so she's there and then she comes upon she's walking down the road and this man named Wright picks her up and then she bites him because she's she has to, and she finds him irresistible. And then that kind of begins their symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Um, which let's just stop there for a minute. Yeah, let's, this is definitely, let's get a the heart. Okay, I will just say, so before we started recording, I told Audra, I think my job ruined me. Um, because I had a very difficult time with the fact that Shori presents as a 10 to 11 year old and then, then engages in, <clears throat> very sexual relationships with adults. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like my biggest, and, and again, like this is Octavia Butler. I'm sure that there's an element of this that is purposeful and is probably driving at a bigger meaning that I just cannot see, but I personally cannot see past this like 10 to 11 year, like why 10 to 11? Like I just don't. And then like the way that it's like kind of excused, in the storyline and in the plot of like reminding everybody that, oh, but she's 53 and it's totally normal in our culture. And like, this is totally fine. I had a really hard time with that. And I will say, like, I think that I have a personal limit to like this, that because of the work that I do, that made it more difficult for me to get past. I want to say, I, I like, I do really love this novel. I loved reading it, but there were certain passages that I actually had to skip because I could not, like, I couldn't quite do it. I couldn't quite stomach it. I don't know. I'm interested to know your thoughts on that because it was very difficult for me, but I I am trying to be aware of, like, how my own, like, everyday knowledge of this kind of thing, Mm -hmm. like, is inhibiting or, like, influencing the way I'm digesting this book. I get it. It's definitely like when I, so I really like Octavia Butler. I've Mm -hmm. read a couple of her other novels and this was her last novel that was published. I guess there were some um, sequels that were planned and they're going to be making a series out of it on HBO. I'd be interested to see how they do that. Um, I'm interested to see how they do that too. But like I did when I first started this, this, I mean, cause it hits you right off the bat where as soon as she meets right and there is, they, they start this symbiotic relationship as a vampire and as a human, but then there's also a sexual relationship. And yeah. Shori, Shori has a sexual relationship with many other people. Yeah. And uh, she's bisexual. Like the, the, I think we'll, we'll get into that too, the alternative sexualities that are brought up in this book, which yeah. I think was great. But yeah, it's, it's hard to get past. This is how I did it. This is how, and I don't even want to say get past it, but the, the uncomfortableness that just like seeped through my body when yeah. it's this idea of someone who looks like they're a 10 year old child and 
they're having this sexual relationship, which, and also it's not like a graphic. I don't think this novel is graphic as far as their sexual relationships. In my opinion, I don't think it comes off that way, but it's hard not to look at it that way because it's someone that looks like a 10 year old child. Um, I took it as it's a little, it's, a commentary in some ways of, you know, I think this idea of childhood innocence is something that is not afforded to black children, specifically black girls. Yeah. Like, and I, I took it as a very purposeful thing that this main character, even though they are not a 10 year old black girl, they look that way and they are not, given that innocence that we give to children and that is a purposeful thing that is something that is is reality like black girls in particular are not given any luxury of having childhood innocence right um and you know i think uh, octavia butler uh, most of what she writes about has a lot to do with with race and uh that that's that's what I just kind of kept remembering and thinking about. And, you know, I, I, obviously there's things that come up in this novel that have to do with race and slavery. I mean, the fact that she wakes up with no memory, yeah. I think it brings up that idea of the fact, you know, she doesn't even know she's black. Like we don't talk about the race until another character says something about her being black. And she says in her head, like, I thought I was more brown, but oh, 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 no, I remember what you mean now. Right. Like, then that memory comes up of what race is. It's almost like there is no concept of race when she wakes up, but then it is thrust upon her. And I think the same thing is true of the sexuality because her and Wright discuss it. He brings up, I'm trying to remember where it is in the book, but brings up, you know, the... Well, I think it's brought up several times of how he knows how their relationship would appear to others and how, mm -hmm. you know, like he, I mean, he doesn't, show any sexual interest in her until she bites him. Um, yes. And I think that's important. But I also, so this is, this is where I think that my personal knowledge of human beings in this world gets in my way of, like, I think that many people, you and I included, can have a fruitful discussion on what is trying to be said here, Right. Mm -hmm. However, I know that there is a population of people that would read this book and I think that they would enjoy it for the wrong reasons and I don't, and that makes it hard. And that's, I mean, that's the danger of literature in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> like so many people yeah. can walk away from a story having the completely, having a very different outlook on what the message was and what things are meant to be. And generally, I think that's a good thing. Um, with this thing, it just, it was a little triggering for me um, with the work that I do. But yeah, I think- I can understand that. I think you're right. Although I, I don't know, but then there are other parts of the story, you know, where- I don't know because they talk about it so much of like the way that she looks versus how old she is, but she's still like a baby in her own species. Um, she's young in her own species, but she's definitely, I, mean, I don't think baby, not a baby, but she's someone who's she's pre, in, in, like, she's prepubescent in her own species. She can't have babies. Right. Because Correct. because this is like a different kind of vampire species than what we're usually accustomed to, where like they don't change a human into a vampire. They mate with other Ina and they reproduce in that way. But Shori's unable to do that in her own species, but then she's able to have sex with humans. And I just I don't know, like I, I had a hard time with it. And I think that you're right. Like I know, and reading it, I knew this, like I knew that more was being said mm -hmm. here and that there was more here, but it was personally difficult for me to get past it because of like how often it's spoken about. And I just still like, I don't know why I'm specifically attached to like the 10 or 11 thing. Like, I feel like, I feel like maybe the message could have gotten across without it being prepubescent, but like, 
but I don't know. But then, you know, post-pubescent, like, women are and girls are sexualized immediately, right? So, like, I think part of it is supposed to be the horror of, like, someone being sexualized in a 10-year-old body. But then, yeah, I don't know. It was hard. It was it was hard for me to read. I will. I won't. I say can understand. But just those I can scenes, understand that. Just those like yeah. sexual scenes in particular, and like there were some scenes where I felt like I forgot that this was supposed to be a ten-year-old. Mm, yeah. You know, like um, so. Shori throughout the novel, like she kind of she has to acquire symbiotes basically, um, and so she'll go because otherwise she would kill you know the people that the symbionts yeah. that she has. So she has to acquire them. And one of the the ones that she acquires is Theodora, and she's this older, close to middle-aged or middle-aged woman who's a librarian. She's very lonely in her life. And they do have, like, a sexual energy or relationship there, but it didn't... Oh, they definitely have a sexual relationship. Like, I think that's kind of... I think it's not... It's not like it's even trying to be subtle about it. I think it's just that that's where I mean, like, I don't think it's graphic. Like, it's I think, a little graphic this, with right, though. Like, they do talk about him, like, talking about her body, not having hair on it. She doesn't. Ha- they talk about her not having boobs. They talk about her prepubescent body. And then there are, like, there are scenes where, like, you know, they at least I'm not saying it's graphic, but for some people, I think they would consider it graphic where it talks about him thrusting inside of her. And like, I think for a lot of people that is graphic. No, I see what you're saying. I guess I just, I, I didn't take any of the sexual, I, I guess I was more just really interested in, in how much alternative sexuality was presented and in the way it was presented and, you know, and, but also, I mean, right. So like you said, she has to take more than one symbiont Mm -hmm. um, because if she, in order for her to survive, pardon me, the amount of blood she has to drink she'd Mm -hmm. like kill her symbiont and she can't like that would torture her. Like they make it very clear. I mean, and we'll get into that. The idea of like their um, mutualistic symbiosis between the Ina and the humans, I think is really interesting. But so she has to take more than one. She has to have multiple. I think it's like seven or eight. They're like, you need to have this many people around you. It's reverse harem to like an umph degree. (laughs) Yes. And, but I think there is this, there's definitely this alternative sexuality that's just presented yeah. very simply and but right kind of has issues like he at first is kind of a little put off maybe by her what he calls bisexuality and then mm-hmm. is okay with it but then when she does have to take another male symbiont yeah. then he's got issues with that right. he's like well I'm I can right. handle it if it's another female but you got a man and like her and and the advice that she is given by once she meets more Ina of you've got to understand You've got to be patient. You've got to not let them kill each other or hurt each other or have issues. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility to make sure that everyone gets what they need because you're getting what you need from them. Right. And I thought it was an interesting, just nice way to put forth this idea of polyamory, alternative sexualities, the, the need and care you need to have for everybody in those kind of situations. And so I guess that's why I took it as not as graphic because I thought it was less about the sex part, even though there is that in the novel. And it was more, I thought the emphasis for me, I took it more as on the relationship part, the mm-hmm. mutual need for one another and having to be accepting of those needs and how maybe off-putting they may be. But again, the part with her being looking like a 10 or 11 year old girl, it is very hard to get past. I'm not saying that it's not. I totally get it. I just, I would encourage if you can, if it's too much, then don't, of course. But if you can try and continue moving through it because I think there's a lot of great things in the book, but well, and I do, it is I will say, challenging. Like I do, I do like the book. And if I put it out of my head that this is a 10 year old looking person, then yeah. it's not as difficult for me. Like I still enjoy it. And like you said, I enjoy those aspects and those dynamics of like these family dynamics and the responsibility that she has for these people. And, um, But I also think that like these dynamics bring in a lot of like questions of consent as well. Right. Because 
like, and I think it's something that these symbionts like deal with all the time, like especially right, because he was kind of into it before he was brought into it before he could really understand or even Shori could understand what he was consenting to. Mm -hmm. And, um, because when he, when she initially bit him, you know, she couldn't help herself and he enjoys it when it happens because the venom like elicits a physical pleasurable response in the symbiont. Yeah. But like he didn't realize that he, what he was committing to and, um, what it meant really. And I think that that's an interesting idea of like this venom, this poison that gives them pleasure, is something that they can't resist and they can't live without. Like, can you really consent to be with somebody if your life depends on it? I think yeah. is an interesting question that this book brings up. And it kind of goes all ways, you know, like it, I think Shori can't really be reprimanded for it because she didn't really understand what she was doing either. She was just going yes. on instinct, right? Like, so but there's, I think a lot of kind of gray areas of these relationships that are explored um, and I think it's also with the way that she looks, you know, and another part of that too, though, that it made me think about is just like the fetishization of like children in so many mm, ways. Yeah. And I'm like, not just talking about my work, but like the way that people are always kind of like, especially pushing women to like look younger and younger yeah. and younger. Um, the way that women are expected to look like in porn now, you know, where like primarily it's hairless or you're disgusting. Um, like th that I think is something that's also being explored here of like the fact that, well, I think most people would not be attracted like to a 10 year old. There are aspects of our culture that have like kind of attributed aspects of prepubescent childhood into what's expected now for yeah. women. And like, I think that's disgusting. And so I think that like the expectations disgusting to me. And so I think that this is an interesting kind of maybe push on that of like, this should make you uncomfortable, obviously. And I think it, I think it should. Yeah. That's the, I think that's a good point. I think that you are supposed to have some level of discomfort in this novel. Mm -hmm. But because like you need to sit up and pay attention a little bit. Does that make sense? Right. Like it's, it's not just uh, and nothing wrong with it, but I mean, there, there are many iterations of vampires. There are many, many vampire novels and movies and TV shows. And it yes. is so into our pop culture. And I think that this novel is a great, um, this is probably one of my favorite of them because it really brings the focus down into the, like the nitty gritty. It kind of brings up the other stuff about vampires and maybe here's where these different myths came about, you know? So once, so Shori finally meets other, another Ina, uh, Yosef, who's actually her like father, um, mm -hmm. and learns importantly that she is has dark skin as a result of genetic modification <laughs> that all other ina are white skinned yeah. um the ina do not can you know they 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 cannot be in the light and so her mothers and the so like the ina and these stories they live separately like they'll mate but they live separately they have like and male communities women, and female communities and female communities and then but just as the ina like the female communities had male and female symbionts living there mm -hmm. because the Ina will have male and female symbionts. Um, and so Shori's mothers or the women in her community were doing a lot of genetic research because they were trying to find ways to make it so that they could be in the sunlight. And Shori is a result of those experiments for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. She's I like think part human. They use the eggs from a human, like a black woman um, yeah. and basically did like in vitro, um, into a, an Ina female. And it points out in a, in some auto parts in the book that she's almost more powerful, you mm -hmm. know, even though she's young for an Ina, her, her, um, humanness does not make her weaker. Uh, in fact, she seems to be stronger in a lot of ways and more powerful. And she hasn't even hit the point in her life where that full, like her full power, so to speak is, is there. Right. Um, and, and that's like, 
really, I think one of the the biggest parts of the book and definitely is one that is supposed to make you kind of seem more uncomfortable, but just the, how, how race is viewed, you know, uh, Octavia Butler gives her protagonist this larger dose of melanin. Um, and that that's the metaphor for how the concept of race is even created, you know, like mm-hmm. Shori's not just black biologically, but socially, um, mm-hmm. because now, because she is, has this darker skin and has this difference and these different abilities as a result of it, she's an other, and she has to defend herself from not only, I mean, like the racism in like the human world isn't even really necessarily talked about as much. It's, but there's this racism in the Ina world. They talk about the racism in the human world of almost like, why are we basically acting like this now? Oh, like I that loved, should be a human concept. I loved like the, Right. But then there's like this brainwashing. So like at this point, because this, this Ina community thinks that this genetic modification that happened is disgusting, right? They have these, um, symbionts that they've basically brainwashed into attacking these people um, and into specifically attacking Shori because of who she is and her abilities and, and that just general community and this man that they catch after they survive an attack, you know, he starts like just throwing these racial slurs at her and he is so apologetic. And he's like, that's not what I want to say. Like, that's not me. That's my family. Actually, like we have black people in our family and like, I promise, like, that's not me. I don't know why I said that in this mm-hmm. way that like words are kind of put in his mouth in a way is interesting, but also this, like, I don't know. It's hard to know how much of that is true on his part of like how much of it is how he feels versus what he's being told to feel by whoever fed on him. Um, it's complicated. And I agree with like your assessment of Shori being an other kind of at all times and not feeling a super big connection between people because even as she finds her parent, you know, her father yeah. and her brother, she doesn't feel this like connection with them. Like you, we see her kind of get all these memories back or at least understanding of things back so smoothly for the most part. But then when she sees her family who you would think would elicit the same response as she has to other things, um, she doesn't like, she doesn't have that response at all. And that connection, that feeling of connection to that community. Um, but then it's also interesting to think about this community because it's a matriarchal community. So she does have a brother Mm -hmm. who's also like genetically modified and is black and looks like her, but they still don't carry that connection. And I think it's because of their place in society and also just, I don't know, like I, that was an interesting thing because I thought that I expected of any of the family members for her to have a connection to, she would have some sort of connection with him because they shared both yeah. parents. Yeah, I agree. Her otherness is really interesting and, and how it's a, um, a benefit, you know, like we've talked about, she's super powerful, but you know, so as they meet Yo- Yosef and he lets her know basically as much as he knows that yes, somebody burned down, murdered, her whole family mm-hmm. and she was able to escape. She was able to survive. It's really traumatic. You also learn that he sent people to try and find her and that creature that we learned she killed in the beginning while she was recovering and was basically out of her mind was a, symbiont. a human symbiont. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't know what she was doing, but, but so she's able to survive because she's so powerful on top of that. So they meet Yosef. She ends up her and right go to, they're going to go to stay with Yosef to be safe and to figure out everything. But before they can do that, Yosef's community is murdered. Mm -hmm. Same thing. The houses are burned. And part of it is because the only people that can be awake during the day are the human symbionts, Mm -hmm. not the Ina who have better hearing, who have more strength, who could probably protect themselves better. But, uh, uh, Shori, because she is able to She's resistant to daylight. I mean, she still has to protect herself to some degree, but she is able to be out in the daylight. She is able to stay awake. She has, she's just more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, when they come to, when she's attacked, they're attacked again, when it's Shori and Wright, and then there's two human symbionts that she takes on that were, their Eno were killed. 
she's able to save them because she's able to be awake and Mm -hmm. her power. And so it's interesting, like her otherness, it's vacillates between these things that put her in great danger and great harm and also save her and save the people around her. And like, she's a very, and, but on top of that, even though she's so powerful, she's very kind. She, even though she has no memory of anything, who she is just obviously at her core is someone who cares about her symbionts. She cares about, right. She cares about the other symbionts she has to take that it's not comfortable because they were previous Ina's symbionts and she has to like go through this process for them to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. It's not fun for either one of them. She's very empathetic. She really values having relationships with her sim with, with humans, which is other. And we can talk about that in maybe the next podcast because it's more in the end of the book about how Ina's view human humans and their relationships with them. Yeah. And she, she's such a good kind Ina. Um, Right. And so I think it's, I, I really, even though like we don't have to keep harping on it, but even though she is someone who has the appearance of a small child, like she's a very powerful, um, evolved, great character. I agree. And I agree with that. In some, in some ways, I think it's, especially as, you know, young black girls are often so not given those characteristics, they're not given any innocence, but they're also not looked at as people. And she's this super, super powerful figure for all the right reasons. And I think she's just a great character. I really love Shori. Like I liked her too. And I like how we kind of grow with her because she has this, like you said, like super empathetic really kind of wise personality like she always kind of seems to know what's best and she's smart and she's able to think through Mm -hmm. things but she is still just as new to this world as we are as readers and so we're able to like be introduced to it into this world in a similar way and I think that that's like a really cool device that Octavia Butler uses and why I think she's known as such a great world builder um, because she's really able to build it up in this, like, especially in a, you know, like vampires are so familiar to all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what's talked about in this book of, of like just how many iterations of it, uh, there are in folklore and TV and movies and literature in general. Yeah. Um, she's able to build this like world and this society and of people or creatures that still feels unique um, and interesting, even though it's really, you know, one of the most overdone kind of like, right. Things. That's such a good point. Yeah. I thought, cause when I, I really wanted to do Octavia Butler and then I had had this one sitting on my pile of books to read mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? Vampire stuff does get really overdone, but, but you I really know what, you know, I what... love vampires though too. Like- <laughs> I, I do. I knew you love vampires. And I also, I was like, if anyone's going to do it in a way that's fresh, it's Octavia Butler. And it's true. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought there's enough, um, like where you get enough of the like vampire lore and you kind of get the backstory of Ina and they've got this long history and you, you kind of get all that, which I think is fun in the vampire stuff. And I liked the relationships between the Ina and the humans better in this iteration, this kind of idea of, yeah, there is still this like almost predator prey aspect to it, but less so I think than most other iterations. Like there really is, and this concept too of how do you treat Hmm. the humans? I I think like, I understand the whole concept of, you know, they have to have the Ina to survive once the Ina have bitten them. But I think, and maybe we can talk about it more in the next episode because there's, I I like how much you hear from the humans, like how much, especially in the second part of what we hear from them. We hear more from them than we do Ina, really. Like, so I think Mm -hmm. that's an interesting thing and something that I didn't expect as I, as I was reading this was that, um, you know, we get this introduction where she's like the only, you know, only vampire that we know. We're all kind of like just as lost as she is trying to figure out all the ins and outs of everything. But then when yeah. she was first introduced to that one community and she like sees her dad and her brothers, I kind of thought like, okay, like we're going to get to know more, Ina now, like, right. But then they die within like a chapter or two, right? Like they're not yeah. there very long before they're murdered. And 
I thought that was interesting because really like, even though we're introduced to these other people and we get more information that helps build this world and this universe, our understanding of like the daily ins and outs of being Ina is still very limited to Shori's experience and the experience of her symbionts. And, um, we care more from them than we do any other Ina except for Shuri. And so I think that's also interesting because it puts more importance on the symbionts than, you know, her other companions and people of the same species. Yeah, I agree. I like, I liked that because even then, so after obviously our, I think we think you're going to learn about everything from Yosef. She finally Mm -hmm. meets other Ina and it's her father. And then unfortunately they are, they are killed, but so then they travel to uh, another Ina settlement for the Gordon family, who are old friends of Yosef, mm-hmm. and they're welcomed. Um, and there's lots. It's like a really big community, lots of Ina there, humans, symbionts, um, and where we end it is where there's gonna there's an attack on this settlement. Yes, um, but I I I liked how we kind of got more information from the Ina from the humans. Like I thought that was an interesting take on it because it really kind of keeps them at the forefront of it's this mutualistic symbiosis, not just, uh, these Ina need the humans to survive. Right. You know, they, um, and it sets up for the second half of the book where you really start to question, maybe that's not how all of them look at it and Mm -hmm. why, and how should it be? So I think, I think Octavia Butler does a really great job of setting up enough backstory of the Ina that now we're invested, but also enough backstory on the humans and the human symbionts that gives them just as much weight. So they matter just as much. And I, which I think is important because I think that's part of the message that's trying to hammer home in some of the Ina and the humans bring this up of like, these are relationships that need to be nurtured on both sides for them to really be, um, what's the word for them to, really be as beneficial as they need to be. Yeah, I agree. It's also interesting though, to see like how, um, there's this sense kind of, of, I don't know, community involvement, if I'm being kind, like of, of setting up relationships with people and like, you know, the way that, um, Joel, who's the second male to me that, um, she acquires basically mm-hmm. he's kind of like I mean he's this super desirable human in the community he's the son of a symbiont he's not attached to anybody and everybody kind of wants him but he's kind of like I don't it's not it's that he's like it's an not, arranged arranged right, marriage right. in a way well yeah. and then that's how the mates are also acquired where like people come and they see photos and like photos are sent out and people will choose their mate and like stake claim on mates and it's almost like this familial thing where they don't just want one they want all three and like they it's weird it's a weird dynamic it's feels wrong right Mm -hmm. but like is presented as normal like well I think what it is is she does a great job of really giving like the Ina and the human communities their own culture Because there's a history to it, right? Like she, how you learn that like this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think that she really does a nice job of presenting this is their culture and here's how the humans live. Here's how the Ina live. Here's how they live together. And really putting, there's this own world of it. And so of course, within the own world, there's going to have their own rules and their own common practices and cultures and taboos and likes and structures. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like when we read Euphoria, like by Lily King and like so much of what's discussed in that book is about not like placing your own cultures, like do's and don'ts on others. But there's like, there are still limitations to that. Like we saw like that character have limitations with that in the communities that they engaged with. But like, yeah, there is a lot of that that I had to do reading this book. And like really, again, there was only like the one thing that I was like, I really wish that hadn't been there. I get why it is. I wish it hadn't been, but everything else about it, like was engaging in a very positive way for me. And I will tell you, like I flew through this book. Like it is, it is a yeah, it is so well written. It's just 
interesting and it's suspenseful. Very sparse. Like she, but she, she, I think her writing is sparse, but not in that you don't get enough details. It's like you get just the ones you need. Does that make sense? Like, yes. um, and I think it definitely, uh, I thought it was I suspenseful I, because I just always kind of like wanted to figure out what she was figuring out. Like, and that was yes. like a level of suspense to me that it wasn't like scary suspenseful, but it was just like, Oh shit. Like what's going to happen? Or like who well, is she you really? Know, we know she doesn't know everything. Yeah. So we know that you're more likely to have surprises <laughs> and that there's holes because mm-hmm. she know she knows that. And I think that having to live that way and like kind of figure it out as you go and have this element of trust. Like, I think that's part of it too. She has to have this almost this element of trust with everyone she meets and have that just off of her instinct. And I think that's suspenseful. Like that's, that's a mm-hmm. scary thing to do. Um, yeah, the writing in it's great. I mean, like I you said, s- you fly through it because you just want to keep reading. It. I think that level of trust too is interesting because like, yes, she does have to have that, but at the same time, she can kind of get past it with like the simple act of feeding upon somebody, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I think in some ways, maybe not in this novel, but like if it was a lesser writer, it could feel like a cop out, like a little bit, sure. right? Like a, like a perfect solution sure. to that every problem. Sense. But yeah. I don't feel like it's written that way in this one. But I like, I think that's kind of, kind of gets back into that like manipulation kind of that's going on um, mm-hmm. of like basically making people suggestible, right? And like easy to influence. And the fact that she knows she can pretty much trust that people will not hurt her or will do what she needs them to do just because she bit them, you know? Like that's an interesting um, thing but it's also a useful tool that she clearly needs. It is like (laughs) she clearly needs. Yeah, Yeah, obviously I agree. And I think, but it's like, there's so much going on in the book. Like there are so many themes and there's so many things that you can like, that it can bring up and you can talk about when it comes to, you know, racism and the symbiosis and the sexualities and the genetic (laughs) experimentation. I mean, there's, there's a lot in it thematically, um, and so I think keeping kind of how you keep the plot moving more simple is good. I like, I feel like if it was too convoluted, it, it would get, it would just be too much. Like she, nothing gets bogged down in it. Like it's a good plot. It moves quickly. I mean, there's a lot opinion. of action. There's like a lot of action yeah. that's going on. So, I mean, like her trying to figure out everything and as she gets healed, you know, it's like a very visually visceral thing to picture of like her being burned and scarred and like not having hair and like traipsing through the woods, like trying to find something and figure out what, like how to survive basically. Yeah. There's a lot in it. I mean, there's mystery, there's mm -hmm. crime. It's, you know, sort of a coming of age because Shori's like having to grow up, not only because she's younger as like where she is chronologically, but she lost her memory. So there's like, it's a quest, you know, yeah. it's survivor. Like there is, there's a lot in it. It's very much like a fantasy novel where like, I think one could enjoy it for the plot and like for the mm-hmm. story that it presents just as much as like, like reading, not reading into it because again, like I think it's purposeful, but like seeking those extra themes. Like I think that this is a very accessible book that people of all kind of like reading levels or interests in reading could enjoy versus like, I think some people wouldn't be as interested in reading other like more difficult books to read that still have like similar themes. Like this is like a really accessible book that still accesses a lot of those themes and questions that we've talked about. Um, but it is accessible for any kind of reader. Yeah. I agree. I, it sucks because I really, like I said, I like Octavia Butler and I liked, um, her other series. She has this parable series mm-hmm. and it sucks that, you know, this was her, her last one because I guess there was drafts to write more and it would be interesting to have a continuation, not even just of Shori's story, but I would like of to the know more universe. about the and the relation. Yeah, exactly. Like well, it does. It's a great first like setting up for this universe that 
one could say has been played out, you know, the idea of vampires, but it's not. It's a really, I think, a nice. Well, and also, uh, like, it's own, like, I think this is an interesting play part of it is because Shori's black. And yeah. I think that that's not something that we're, we see really at, at all. And I will Outside will s- of like Blackula. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like really. Well, and like, because it's such a like quote unquote European, even though we all know black people were in Europe, um, but like white European kind of myth that people talk about yes. all the time. Um, but I think that this is such an interesting take on it. I will say like the one thing that I can think of that came kind of close to this, but I think in large part after reading this, it was probably inspired by this book in a lot of ways is the TV adaptation that recently came out of interview of a vampire, Mm. um, where obviously Anne Rice like created her whole universe and like it is exceptional and it is like a thing of its own. But I think that they, um, really like in that show leaned into the, um, the location of the story of it being in New Orleans, Louisiana. And so they made the main character black instead of white as he is in the book. And then um, the the main female character in that story um, is also black. And like, so that specific iteration of interview with the vampire has a lot to do with racism and like the things that they experience in, in early 1900s Louisiana. But I think that probably a lot of the discussions and like themes of that experience as a black vampire were probably like I'm sh- absolutely certain that they were looking at Octavia Butler's work to think about like the different ways to address it and think about it. Yeah, um, I would hope so. I think she's a great writer. I totally if if this one isn't anyone's speed, because there's definitely some difficult things to get past, which I totally understand, I would really encourage you to read any of her other works because yeah. she's a, a great writer. Um, and like I said, science fiction isn't always my first pick for things, but I've really gotten more into it, especially since we've been doing some of that on the pod and mm-hmm. Octavia Butler, I think is a great, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just someone to lead you, lead you down that path <laughs> of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Like she's a great one. Um, yeah. So we'll be talking about, the rest of it once they get to this other compound where you kind of feel like, okay, we're going somewhere. We're safe. And I, I love the second half of the book. So I'm excited to talk about Me that too. one. Me too. Um, anything else about the first part that you want to talk about or um, work through? I don't think so. I really, I did really, really enjoy it. Like, and I have my criticisms, but I totally am totally first to acknowledge that, like, I think a lot of my, I mean, I think it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. I think I have extra feelings about it because of the vicarious trauma of what I do. Um, sure. And like, we joke about this all the time at work. Like we have to kind of like make fun of it to get through it sometimes. And, um, And I think that's why I had like a lot of like kind of aggressive like feelings about it at first. But I, again, like you said, this character of Shori is mature and is very interesting. And I love being in her head as she kind of figures out this world um, because we're on the same playing ground, right? Like we're on the same level as we kind of digest this novel. And I think it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your viewpoint on it and getting through it. Like I said, I was, it's not the most comfortable, but you know, that's kind of the awesome thing about literature is it really kind of pushes us in some ways to, to examine some of those things. And again, no one needs to read anything that makes you feel that way. But if you happen to sometimes, sometimes we can get some things out of it. So yeah. thanks for sticking with it. Um, I didn't even think about that when I, <laughs> although I didn't know that well, when I picked this book, I had not read it. Well, well that's what I, 
when we, before we started recording, I, I was like, know. before we started recording, I was like, Audra, this is not what I expected, but like in both good and bad ways in that way, like that was not what I expected getting into it, but it was, but I also don't like know why I guess I didn't expect it because the back of the novel is like, she's 10 or 11, but really she's 53. But then like, I should have connected the fact that vampire stories are always always like hypersexual like there's always yeah they are something going on there like Dracula's always hot and everything there's always like this sense of like wanting to be prey like you know mm-hmm. or part of it being sexy whether or not he's getting in your dreams and making you have sexy dreams about him before he feeds on you like there's always an element of yeah. sex and allure in that way and like kind of dark darkness Yes. Um, that I don't know why I wasn't necessarily expecting something, but it, like it, it did surprise me, but I, I'm very glad that I've stuck through it. It's, it's a me good too. book. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it and we're able to stick with it. And yeah, we will, I think we'll, I think it'll be easier to talk about the second half of the book. I think so. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully if, so if you haven't go pick up your copy from your bookstore or bookshop.org, catch up with us. It is a quick, great quick read like we said yes um so we'll be discussing uh the second half of the book in our next episode and then remind everybody one more time the next book we'll be doing yes so our next pick is piranesi by Susanna clark which is another kind of fantasy book um i'm really very excited to read it i've heard great things and um like audra said in the last episode um, this is her second, this is Susanna Clark's second novel and her debut, according to Audra, was fantastic. I have yet to read it. So good. Um, you should totally read that too. I think it's really interesting though, how big of a time difference there is between her first and second novel. It's like 16 years or something. Like I think. Well, her first novel is quite an like epic, like maybe not epic's the right word. Um, I know it's huge. It's, it's a it's, beast. It's huge. There's a lot to it. So, you know, I mean. Damn, maybe she just needed a break. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, Piranesi is not ginormous, just so everybody knows. It's like a very doable size of a book, so don't be intimidated. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, everybody. And Sadie, I hope you have a great time in Mexico. I can't wait to hear wait all to about it. I can't wait to tell you all about it. I'm so excited. I'm going to go finish packing yeah. as soon as we're done. All right. Well, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.